One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The trying to conceive journey is tough. And a lot of friends and family have asked me, how are you guys going? How does it impact your relationship? And that is a really, really good question. You would think that because my husband and I are going through the same process, trying to conceive and struggling, that we would be having the same experience. But honestly, sometimes I felt like we might be going through something entirely different. I've realized that the way we hope is different. The way we grieve is different and the way we handle things is different. I thought we might be the only ones in the world going through these moments of tension, but I quickly realized after speaking with friends that it is completely normal for struggling to conceive to test and challenge your relationship. So how better to unpack what is going on than to speak with a couple therapist? Angelica Magana is a licensed marriage and family therapist who has years of experience working with individuals, couples, and families to improve your interpersonal relationships, gain more insight into your triggers and reactions, and provide you with tools to stay on track in your relationship. Both my husband and I walked away with a ton of insight after this conversation, and I would highly recommend anyone who's struggling to conceive to do the same. And if you're wondering why Vat is so quiet at the start of this episode, it's because he was late to couples therapy. I hope you enjoyed this one and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, Angelica. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you for having me. It's, It's a pleasure to be here. No, it's my pleasure. I'm really excited to get into this topic with you. Um... Before we do that, I thought it would be helpful to get a brief introduction from you so that everybody knows who you are and what it is that you do. Of course. So my name is Angelica, as you said, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, um, which means I work with couples, individuals, and families. And I like to work on understanding the systems that we're all a part of. So that factors in quite a lot into the work that I do. Um, So understanding society, family of origin, how couples are interacting with one another. And uh, that's the bulk of my work. So I'm from the United States. And I, as you can probably tell, and uh, yeah, I originally had my practice in New York City and still have uh, a practice there at the moment, as well as here in Amsterdam. Amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Something that I think a lot of people may think is that relationship or couples or marriage therapy is only for relationships that are broken down and need fixing. But what would you say to that? Mm, yeah, that comes up a lot. And unfortunately, that's the, the the people that I see are often the ones that are in crisis mode. Once, you know, there's already so much damage that it's kind of hard to do a lot of the work around repair. But Luckily, these days, people are more and more becoming open to the idea of therapy as kind of a, a practice, like uh, like how you go to the gym to work out. And couples are also finding it really useful to come in at the beginning sometimes of their relationship so that they can get an understanding of different coping mechanisms that they have or different emotions that come through, um, communication strategies, patterns that could really support just better intimacy overall. So it's, it's actually really hopeful for me that in the last few years, I've been seeing a lot of people that just come in wanting it to be more preventative and also more about, yeah, like um, increasing their their sense of intimacy. So that's been really nice to see. That's such a nice analogy, like going to the gym for your relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's a workout. It's a mental workout, emotional workout as well. Yeah. And I can imagine as well, it's, it then becomes about building a good foundation and just making sure that you have the right communication strategies in place to deal with any, you know, life situations that may come up. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And it also creates a space for people to do some really cool work around like investigating their their selves in the context of relationships so that the other person has more insight into the inner workings, the inner landscape of the other. So that if the trigger does come up, it feels less like, whoa, where is this coming from? And more, there's more context um, that can really help soften sometimes some, some of those tension points. Mm, really, really nice. Um, in terms of the particular situation that we're going to talk through today, I read a statistic somewhere that as many as one in six couples globally may be experiencing infertility or subfertility. And that is an extraordinary amount of people. How often do you come across couples that are in our situation, maybe struggling to conceive or, yeah, you know, dealing with infertility situation? Yeah. I I don't know if I can give a precise number, but I do Mm -hmm. see it very frequently in my caseload. Yeah, I would say that's probably a third of my cases. It is something that I think needs further attention and just more information because a lot of people, you know, they, we maybe have information scientifically on like what to do, but emotionally, like when it comes to uh, infertility in between couples, what it can do uh, to create a wedge and disrupt kind of attachment. Those are things that I think uh, really need to, uh, the literature needs to get better about mm-hmm. and the supports around it because yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it, it is a lot. I think it's definitely something that takes a lot of people by surprise. What would be the starting point for a couple that feels like they might need support during something like this? Mm-hmm. Well, the starting point, I I think a lot of people start by trying to navigate it themselves. And I think that's great. But sometimes with something that is so, I call it like a phantom, it kind of is that it's a kind of traumatic experience that a couple goes through. Um, and there's so many different emotions, there's so many different choices, um, different reactions. And so that phantom kind of the phantom of infertility and not being able to figure it out kind of impacts people in different ways. And it's really hard to navigate that 
on on your own, right? Without the support of sometimes that's where a third party like myself, like a therapist, can really help guide these conversations and help kind of zoom out a little bit from, you know, the the myopic things that are going on in that moment because life can get really like laser focused on, you know, the the figuring it out. And so I I find that therapy could be a really good place to be able to zoom out, externalize a little bit more the process between the couple so that they can have an awareness of what's actually going on rather than getting caught up in, you know, the the process. So I would say like a good starting point actually is maybe coming into therapy. And often couples that do experience this do end up coming to couples therapy. Yeah, I can imagine. I think as well, what's difficult about this particular situation is that it could end next month. So you probably may, and I'm making an assumption here, but a lot of couples might not realize, of course, that they that this will continue for mm-hmm. such a long period of time. And as you said, what you then do is you try and work through it yourself mm-hmm. and you go through this monthly roller coaster for a while. But then, as you mentioned, triggers come up and it starts becoming more and more, I guess, frustrating and feelings of tension coming out. And maybe that might be the point where it's okay to normalize, listen, you can get support for this. You don't have to kind of bash through it together on your own with no support. That's right. right. Yeah. It can be also really isolating, uh, this experience and it can trap because there's just so much ambiguity to the process. People don't know what's going to happen, what choices they're going to make. And so couples tend to get a little bit insular when this happens and just kind of try to contain and not tell people because talking about it a lot just has a way of activating, you know, a lot of pain. Um, but then people, yeah, end up feeling really alone and isolated in that process. Um, so that's another way that I think expanding out could be really helpful for that isolation. I think that people, people's pain gets bigger when it's, it feels cut off from the rest of life. And so maybe it doesn't even need to be with therapy, but if there is like friends or, or family in which you can kind of have your pain witnessed, uh, together or individually, that can be really powerful tool to, to deal with this. You know, interesting that you say that because something that I have observed through all of this is has also been through conversations with my friends who have been through something similar. And I can draw off a few examples. You know, I think as a woman experiencing something like miscarriage, for example, it took me a lot longer. I think, to process through that and get through those emotions. I really did feel like I went through all the stages of grief, but it took me a really long time to get to the acceptance. Whereas for my husband, it felt faster. And I don't, I'm not saying it's going to always be that way, but I guess what would be your advice when it comes to those situations where, because that can create moments of conflict, you know, that can be messy when I'm still sitting in the grief and my partner is out of it. That's right. Well, that's what studies actually do show is that women on the whole do experience more depression and anxiety um, due to infertility related issues than men. And, you know, there are some thoughts that I have about that, that, you know, possibly, well, obviously, like the physical experience for you, it's in your body, right? It is happening to your body where for your husband, it is more of an abstract idea. It's not physically happening. Like your body 
you know, has had this, it almost feels like a kind of survival experience, like a survival threat in some ways, when you experience that amount of uh, pain or, you know, you know, your body knows that something has happened. There's mm-hmm. like a surge of all these other chemicals, cortisol, stress hormone, right? And I think that just physically, it just impacts your body more that way. And there's probably going to be more of a come down. And then for your husband, it just is more of an abstract idea. It's not happening physically to his body. So I think that right there is also going to create that disconnect. Um, but also additionally, I think that maybe this is something we can talk to your husband about, um, mm. is that socialization has a big part to do with, I think maybe why women are more expressive about their anxiety or their depression. Um, men generally, and this is a generalization have been socialized to suppress emotions and not own their emotions as much. So they may be experiencing that anxiety and that depression, but it's not as aware to them to even to themselves. And they may cope with that by trying to bypass it and try to get to optimism and solutions. And I think that's where men historically have been really valued uh, from society is like, just grin and bear it and keep going and find the solutions. So I think maybe there is less expressiveness around some of the pain sometimes um, as a result of socialization. And then on top of that, I think women also have been given the message that they're you know, fertility is everything about them, that their identity, you know, is tied to being fertile and being able to provide and produce, you know, babies. And so I think women also experience more depression because of those thoughts that if they're, if you're, if something, if you're not able to get to that end, there must be something, you know, wrong with you in some ways, or I think there's more shame as a result. And I don't think men carry that weight as much, um, Again, generalization, and mm. this is based on kind of the studies that we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm Angelica, I'm going to pause here because yeah. he's here. Come oh, to my hello. studio. Hello. <laughs> hello. hello. Nice to meet you. What, yeah. Walter, is that right? That's it. Okay. How do you spell Walter? Is it W? O U T E R. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's actually the first time somebody has it right. I've, yeah, I've, I've met I another helped. voucher too. So I think, yeah, but it helps for my, uh, just to have an image of your name uh, so I can say it correctly. Yeah. You, said you know, a uh, Dutch voucher then, I assume. I do. I know a few Dutch vouchers. Yeah. Oh, oh this is not working. Here, obviously, I'm on the. Oh yeah, okay. I sit on your lap. <laughs> I, was literally, I love I really, it. I literally need to sit on this. Oh, I didn't realize that. No, this is perfect. It's it's great. <laughs> I really get to um, see your closeness. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for me joining the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Great. She's very good. Seat. She's very good with her guests. It's a very <laughs> professional setup here. Yeah, you should see what I've got going on here. So you're all good. <laughs> I've, practicing my, I've practiced my English. Uh, in oh my the, gosh, it's I'm, so I'm great. I heard that you were a little concerned about that, but it's you sound great. Uh, yeah, it's you. perfect. Yeah. I'm trying my best. <laughs> um, what was the really uh, good moment for you to step in because we were just talking about um, when you when I would go through miscarriage. Yeah. And I felt like I moved through. You, I maybe stayed in the grief and the emotions of it all a bit longer yeah. than you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the case. Yeah. Sometimes I find that even though we're going through the same situation, we're going through it totally differently mm-hmm. and almost having two different experiences with it. 
Mm-hmm. I see that all the time. Yeah, it's so natural. And I, I liken it to, uh, you've heard of like the stages of grief, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's so linear sometimes. I think that you can oscillate between kind of the different stages. One day you'll be maybe in a space of anger. The next day you'll be in a space of hope and possibility. And the next day, maybe denial. And and so you can kind of vacillate. But the problem is that in relationship, two people are going through that like cycle roller coaster. And so rarely does it sync up uh, mm. completely. And that is where we can see a lot of problem because one person may be in this space of like for half a day, like I'm feeling hopeful. And then the other person might be in this place of, of like anger. And so it may feel invalidating to be in those different states with one another. If one person is like holding all the possibility and the other person is just like feeling grief and sadness about it. And I think that's where we see the most amount of uh, tension in, in relationships because the coping and the emoting is not just an individual process. It's a relational process. And how you're coping and emoting is going to impact the other. And it's just a lot to piece together, right? It's already hard enough as it is to manage our own emotions. And then on top of that, also have to be there for our partner in their emotions. It's just a lot of multitasking. And multitasking emotionally is already really hard enough as it is for most couples. So you add to that, like this kind of crisis, emotional uh, wounding situation. And I think people's resources just end up feeling tapped. Yeah, I can completely relate to that. At times, it certainly has felt like, I guess we have had a disconnect with how the other is feeling about a situation. And what do you think is the reason for that? Well, I think what I was explaining earlier is that sometimes um, men are maybe not going to be, and you can tell me if this is incorrect for you, um, but men are not as socialized to express overtly their emotions and and maybe sometimes as a result don't even recognize sometimes the emotions that they carry and uh, you know are more of in the practice of grin and bear it and keep going and find optimism and find the solution yep. that they bypass some of those emotional states <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i think that 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 has definitely come up as a moment of tension sometimes is We've we've learned a lot about each other and how we process things as well. So I can really sit in things and I can really like dwell and plan and go through it and want to talk about it. And that I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is more like, well, let's just see, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, and I think for me, um, during a during a miscarriage, for example, well, first of all, I felt shit in the beginning as well. Mm. Uh, but I was more, I think I, I automatically more thought about you in that sense, I think. Mm. And I think for me, and maybe that's a man thing, I don't know, is that I'm also then quick to, I don't know if it's adapting, if that's the right word, but I'm I'm quite quick with my mind that I'm that, that, that I'm then sort of okay mm-hmm. with it. So I've I've given it a place maybe for myself and I think, okay, Extremely shit, uh, and and in the meantime, I want to be there for Anna as mm-hmm. much as I can for how long it, that doesn't matter. But for me personally, with the whole miscarriage, that's then, yeah, that's you know, it's it, it happened, and um, mm-hmm. I given it a place, and now yeah. sort of move on. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. of course. Yeah, sometimes that there's just very different uh, recovery periods for people, and I think sometimes what could also influence the recovery period is if there are other losses maybe in life that either one has experienced. Um, sometimes when you experience one loss, it has a way of activating other 
difficulties and losses and emotions from the past. So sometimes that may show in discrepancies in how fast one couple or one person recovers versus the other, you know? So yeah, there's so many individual factors for, for why these things can happen. And, but the, the trouble is that sometimes that may feel it creates tension, right? Because while you're trying to pepper up and get her to like see possibility and hope she's then feeling invalidated or like, why am I alone in this pain? I want you to be here with me. And so you, your coping mechanism involved her of like, okay, I've given it a place. I have a story and now we can move forward. That's what helps you emotionally, but that's what maybe sets you off or makes you feel a little bit triggered. Um, Anna, when, when you notice that because the loneliness that that may feel, or may feel like it's minimizing in some way, even though that's not the intention whatsoever at all. Right. Sometimes your coping mechanism is just like, I just need to be able to over talk it and think about it and play it out. um, All my worst fears and all the worst pain. And, and that just is how you soothe yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So these different coping mechanisms can be at odds and can create some tension that way too. Have you two noticed that? Fully. Yeah, definitely. I think it took us a while to get to the place where we realized we have different ways of getting through things. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, like what I said before, it felt like we were like bashing our way through the dark for a while. Um, and it's it, it happens with experiences like a miscarriage that you go through. And it also has happened with experiences that haven't happened yet. So I can get very apprehensive about the treatment and the surgery and the things that we need to go through. And I'll want to, yeah, what you said, like hash it all out and talk it through and go through all the anxieties and the fears. And then maybe you, you have that less. Yeah. 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 I, I then in my mind it, uh, or brain, it goes, I see it uh, if something happens. So, for example, um, has somebody has a surgery, then you can think you can even Google like, mm-hmm. okay, what can go wrong? And they have a list of like five hundred things that can go wrong. Yeah, I I tend to think, okay, yes, that can happen, uh, but mm-hmm. it also uh, like a lot of times it goes well, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I I normally I think focus more on then the things that sort of positive and that that things won't happen mm-hmm. instead of talking too long about people's uh, experiences that went wrong, for example, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You want to put up a boundary, like a mental boundary with those thoughts and emotions because they may feel unnecessary and they get in the way of, you know, you being able to just be present maybe, and just feeling more of that hope and optimism. So that makes sense uh, that you really want to put up a boundary around some of those unnecessary or like frivolous kind of emotions, what may feel like that for you. Mm. And that's a really good strategy sometimes because sometimes our mind will run away and spiral. Um, But Anna, for you, you like to be able to play it out and see because does that give you some sense of comfort to know that all all the things that could go wrong so that you're prepared so that you're not caught off guard? Like what does that bring to you? Yeah, I don't don't know if it's necessarily me wanting to know all the things that could go wrong, Mm. but I like to plan, I like to be aware Okay, so for example, the hormone shot mm-hmm. for me was a big thing because I've very I don't like things messing with my hormones. Mm-hmm. So I'm um I'm googling the drug and I'm trying to learn what it mm-hmm. can do because planning for that helps me. Well, yeah, reading about it helps me plan for it and prepare for mm-hmm. it and then 
as I have experienced some of these symptoms, it helps me rationalize like, okay, I know what this is. It's the hormone shot Mm -hmm. rather than being caught off guard and being surprised by it. That's right. That's right. So I can see like vulnerabilities underneath for both of you where for you, maybe voucher and correct me if I'm wrong, but like there's more information leads to maybe more feelings of lack of control and more helplessness that you have perhaps Mm. around being able to manage all those different factors. Um, but for you, Anna, you preparing gives you a sense of control. So that gives yeah. you a sense of like empowerment. So both of you are looking for the same thing, but just in very contrasting different ways that yeah. are at odds with one another. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. that's that's the tension that we see here. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I did. Um, I, I all do. I, I must say uh, <laughs> that uh, that uh, I did learn from it. In yeah. The sense of like now. And we had a bit of, a bit of an argument about it, but then uh, <laughs> it, and now I do uh, because she did research about okay what can happen and what does the um, the shot do with my body and the you know the the hormones to you and I think hey, why is this suddenly coming up or why is so yeah, yeah switching emotion then I understand <laughs> that it can come from there yeah. yeah right right yeah so these are the things that. I would look for, right? Is like these, they tend to go in cycles. They maybe in this case, it was about the medications, but they can show up in other ways, at different choice points in the process. So I want to look at the cyclical patterns that happen that where both of you are kind of attempting to get comfort and security and sometimes from one another, but it ends up getting the opposite, giving the opposite of invalidation and discomfort. Those are the moments that we want to explore a little bit more and be able to map them out and prepare for them. So when you can understand, okay, this is my process, this is your process, and you can anticipate it and prepare for it, then it doesn't feel like it's happening to you. You're not getting in the muck of it, but you're able to see it together. That's what we want to get to is we want to be able to see, okay, this is my process. This is your process. This is your need. This is my need. This is why we're having some tension right now. And so when you do that, you can see it together. You externalize the problem versus being in the problem. And Mm. then that helps with some of the unity that you may feel. I like it. How do we do that? So if we're in a scenario where something's coming up and we feel like the tension is brewing, right? how can we get there? <laughs> yeah, I call it a play-by-play. Like you, you kind yeah. of describe the play-by-play of what's going on internally versus getting stuck in the surface. So what you'll start with doing is, okay, so Voucher, you're feeling maybe a little bit I don't know what happens. Like you feel overwhelmed if Anna's talking about something too too much or trying to go. Yeah, I think overwhelmed or, um, uh, and I, I, this is not good, of course, but uh, I, sometimes I just think, okay, pff, now I know, but let's stay a bit more positive, you know? Yeah. Yeah, right. So maybe yeah. your internal process is like, wow, it really like hurts me to see you, you know, uh, going down this rabbit hole that seems to bring so much stress for you. And I'm, I'm noticing myself wanting to close off uh, because I, I want to protect you, or I'm noticing myself like get a little bit reactive because I feel like this is too overwhelming for my system. So you describe your internal experience versus telling her, don't do that. Stop work. Stop thinking that way. Right. Like you describe my insides. Oh, yeah. Are going like this. And yep. Anna, for you, you can say, I'm feeling really overwhelmed in this moment. And what I'm noticing I'm wanting to do to find some control in this situation is, is to think about all these things as a way to prepare. But I'm noticing that it's making you feel a little like you're withdrawing and that makes me feel a little sad. Mm-hmm. So does that make sense? Like you're just yeah, definitely. 
yeah. the internal landscape rather yeah. than telling each other what you're doing is wrong. I think that's spot on. Yeah. For me, at least, like I'm too quick. I'm Dutch, so I'm quite direct. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. that very well. uh, also, so... my partner's Dutch, so I understand. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. High five. Maybe, yeah. Instead, you can then say, yeah, what Angelica said. Yeah. Explain why you don't want to keep talking about it. Yeah. Because then, yeah, as I mentioned, like you have one partner in this and you, you, I have friends and family that I, that I speak to and a lot of beautiful people that check in, but mm-hmm. it, it's your really your partner yeah. that you're in with it. That's so funny. if I am going down a rabbit hole or if I'm spiraling about something, mm-hmm. um, it is you that I'm going to turn to always. Right. Yeah. First. Yeah. 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 And I don't, I don't want to say like, Oh, you always have to, you know, listen to me drone on and I'm not going to go on about it for all of time. But yeah, it's important that we then don't cut each other off or make each other feel um, yeah, not validated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's it. Agree. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's all you can never go wrong with kind of explaining the context of your inner world. Like if you're focusing on the other person's behavior, like why are you cutting me off or why do you keep going down that rabbit hole? I think you're going to invite in a little bit more defensiveness, but if you can explain the impact that that behavior is having on your insides, then there's going to be more, I think, collaboration and and more of that externalization of the problem versus us being against one another. We can see our cycle clearly. This is what you need. This is what I need. We have different needs in this. We're not against each other. It's just in a matter of, you know, speaking about these things, because what we know also in relationships is that conflict is or tension points. It's like 70% unresolvable. That's what we, the statistics show us. So it's not necessarily about getting to a place of complete like resolution and seeing mm. eye to eye. But it's about empathy and it's about, you know, having an important opportunity to communicate that leads to further um connectedness and intimacy yeah and maybe a question from, from myself um because you have a dutch partner as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, i think for us sometimes the language barrier is also challenging because um uh now nah, from anna's really good at expressing her feelings for example yes. um mm-hmm. i think that i'm yeah less good at that um well you're not doing it in your native language no, that, sorry, that, and that's really i difficult. can't imagine yeah doing, that's yeah. right that's, yeah, that's right. difficult we have a leg up, right? English is mm. our first language. So I think I think in English, I have maybe more words available for my emotions. Um, and a lot of being able to communicate is being able to understand not only what you're feeling, but also being able to express what you're feeling through words, through words are really important. So I can understand. And I, I know that that happens in my relationship as well, that if you don't have as much of like the buffet of words available to you, that expressing yourself may feel difficult and it may feel yep. limited. Right. So that is something that I think is uh, we need to take into consideration for sure. Mm. And That's an interesting question for anyone, you know, native English or not, what about if you can't find the words? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when something is happening, you know, I didn't even realize until you said it that the reason I research and jump on Google and analyze everything is for control. I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. So what about if you can't actually find those words in the moment when the tension is boiling? That's right. Dutch or English yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Likely you're not going to be able to find it 
in the moment, in the heat of the moment, because your nervous system is going to feel more escalated. You're not going to be thinking as clearly. So uh, even people that are native English speakers, like still can't find the words when they're feeling overstimulated and overwhelmed. So that is not the time I think some to explore, like, what could this really be about? I, you could try, but it, the work would really be helpful if you could do it before or after the debriefing, the pre-briefing, like what was really going on for me? I wonder what that was really about. In the moment though, what is helpful is to notice what is going on in your body. So you always have that available to you. Like I'm noticing that my stomach feels like tight and my hands are feeling like clenched and I'm noticing like my brow is furrowing and my shoulders are clenching Mm. uh, or tightening. And that can give you kind of a pathway towards, okay, well, if that's happening, then there's likely some anxiety, some anger, you know, you can, based on what your body is feeling, you can notice that it may be connected to a certain emotion. Um, So it's just a little, like little artifacts that you can use to make sense of later, if not in that moment. Mm, Right. And if you can volunteer that to the other person, like if voucher, you're saying, okay, I'm noticing as you talk about all these things that my stomach is feeling like, uh, like I have butterflies and I've, I'm feeling like my shoulders okay. tense up. That's an indication that you're feeling overwhelmed. Right. And, and Anna, you have information in that moment that it's not that he's trying to stop you. It's that his body's feeling a little flooded and that mm-hmm. may give you an opportunity to connect. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought about the physiological impact as well that 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 moment of tension um, can have. And what about like timeout? Like a pause. <laughs> I'm a huge advocate of a timeout, definitely. Yeah. But we need to be cautious. I wonder what what's your pattern? Do you t- do you two take? Time we do it daily timeouts. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. I yeah. No, but I've. Lately, yeah, I think it is good because, yeah, if I would just say, okay, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk away now, Um, then I'm going to come back and then we're going to talk about it again, maybe that everything's simmered a bit. (laughs) Now we have, I think the world has the impression that we're this catastrophic couple constantly arguing. (laughs) We're not. Not But when it does happen, it yeah, I do find it helpful to like, yeah, yeah, also just go away, have a walk and just, yeah, yeah, process like what was that and what am I thinking and why am I so triggered? That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Does that work for you as well? I think good. Yeah, yeah, I think good. Yeah, I think good. we should do that. Uh, I think in the heat of the moment, uh, we both know that it's it's not helpful what we're saying. Yeah. So <laughs> we're also quite strong-minded people, I think both, and we can yeah. Yeah. Um, we can we're good at chatting, so or like talking. <laughs> so we try to convince each other, I think, of our points that we try to make. <laughs> so it's it's like sales against sales. So yeah. um, so I think a timeout. Is good. I, I think a timeout is brilliant yeah. It, yeah. because if you're getting dysregulated, you, you you could be saying the most clear, concise, crisp sentences using the best language, but the other person isn't receiving it because no. they're dysregulated. Right? Yeah. So yeah, if you're going to walk away, just preface it with like, I love you. <laughs> I want to make this better, but right now I want to be able to regulate so that I can be able to be more resourced so that we can have this conversation. Like it. Fine. <laughs> what um questions could we be asking each other to like better understand what the other is going through do you think Mm. so i think sometimes people take it kind of for granted that they know their partner so they actually stop asking questions Mm. um 
to one another, like, okay, well, how do you feel and think about this? And so open-ended questions that invite, you know, the other person also to do some processing because it helps when we have another person. That's kind of what therapy helps with is getting to know what we actually think. But I think in the context of relationship, it's beautiful to be able to do that with one another because again, it really strengthens the attachment and the intimacy that you two have with one another curiosity um, in any way. I don't think you can go wrong at all. And maybe you can have it like daily where you have like a ritual around just checking in with one another and like asking one another more expansive questions um, about anything. It doesn't even have to be about this whole process of mm. uh, like the, the journey, because I think so many couples can get like locked in to trying to figure out, you know, how the problem on, on this quest to have a child that they forget their identity outside of this problem. Mm. I think that also makes it so that we're not feeling as secure with one another. When we forget the identity of the relationship outside of the problem, then we're not as connected. We're not as safe. We're not as all those things. So I would say questions veering even outside of, of this process is, is essential so that you two remember your identity. Mm. That was actually going to be one of my questions for any couples that are going through something like this. Um, it can become a bit all consuming. Well, I speak for myself. I wouldn't speak for you, but I do find, yeah, you're in this kind of like monthly mm -hmm. loop again and again and again, and you swing from all the hope to the disappointment, to the hope to the just it's difficult to plan because you think, oh, you know, should I book that festival in October or will I be pregnant? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's difficult to plan ahead and it can become kind of all consuming. And maybe you do lose a bit of your, um, a bit of yourself in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that couples can get through this together and like, yeah, reconnect outside of all of this? Yeah. I think a lot of it is have fun. <laughs> it's so, 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 it sounds so simple, but like, we need the also the science or the research says that if there's one negative interaction between a couple, we need five positive ones to override that one negative interaction because that's just how big our brain has this negativity bias. So we'll attach more weight to the one negative thing. And so to offset that, we need to be able to have these really good moments together that can really like we can bank them up and then use them for those moments when we're struggling a little bit. So having fun, doing things that remind you of why you're why you're in a relationship like what you love about one another um really just focusing on fun play togetherness um outside of of the problem and whatever that may be what do you two enjoy doing that brings fun and play <laughs> no i think we um now we're lately going to the beach used to play tennis a bit mm -hmm. it's fun yep oh yeah traveling traveling we've mm -hmm. traveled a lot yeah um going to Sons of East, <laughs> Australian live music, live music. Oh, oh sorry, live uh -huh. music. Yeah, um, yeah. Spending time with friends, spending time yeah. with family. Mm -hmm. um, we've got, a, I think, busy social life. Yeah, doing nice things in the house as well. Like we've yeah. been going lately to the garden yeah. store. Oh, <laughs> Hello, grannies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I feel like we do. Yeah, a lot of nice things. Yeah. It sounds like you too. And what, from what I see in front of me, like there's a lot of closeness, a lot of love that I see and a lot of like fun, even I'm just witnessing you too, like with 
the laughing and the humor. It's just, it's really lovely to see that like that is intact and that is here. And I think that sometimes is against the odds because everything that you've been through would try to tug at this and pull this away and take away your kind of secure attachment. But this is like your rebellion against, you know, anything <laughs> to take that away. It's like, no, we refuse to let this, you know, lessen our connection and our intimacy. And that's really yeah. beautiful to see. Uh, and being able to be present with one another is so important uh, because uh, maybe in the beginning you noticed that a lot of it was a means to an end, like we have intimacy, communication, everything uh, becomes a focus on like getting somewhere or getting to that ultimate end. And that can really like put a, a wedge between two people yeah. because you're not able to be present to experience one another. But yeah. well, all I'm seeing right now is a lot of presence and, you know, togetherness. So that's really lovely to see. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That's very <laughs> sweet. <laughs> yeah. You don't want it to be, um, you don't want it to be something that ends up like redefining your relationship, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does, I think, take work to get through this and to, keep shining as that often says <laughs> is that right I love yeah, that yeah to keep shining right. because you know yeah it, it, it's like emotionally draining and it's challenging and you don't see it coming mm-hmm. um it takes you by surprise and then suddenly you're in this um in this pattern but yeah I think we've we've worked hard on trying to communicate and trying to spot each other's triggers and spot each other's patterns and yes. just keep learning right. um learning from each other yeah. throughout it yeah have you two noticed at all any, what I often notice in some other couples is a lot of like the anger and blame, you know, sometimes that can feel powerful when you're feeling helpless. And so people, it's a secondary emotion, but is that something that you two have experienced at all? You no, I've never, I've never blamed you for mm-hmm. any of this. No. 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 And I've never felt no. angry at you. Oh, no, no, definitely not. No, 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 both. We didn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would have, I've put more of that on myself, I think. Well, so the self-blame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's gone into that? Like it, the feeling like you're the one responsible or? Yeah, I had a feeling for a long time like there was not something right. And a lot of people tell you, oh, let that go. Don't yeah. think about it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, indeed, there is, some. there is, of course, something that I need to have an operation for. Uh, and I think like you were ready yeah, a long time ago, like yeah. probably ago, yeah. two or three years ago, yeah. and I was the one that was pushing back for a while because we'd just moved to the Netherlands and I wanted to build a life here, and you know a whole different range of reasons. We got married, and so then I think have, being the one that pushed back and slowed this process down, I've then felt really. I've probably now that I say this carried a lot of the guilt about how long this is taking yeah. and that we're still in this situation for so long mm. when you were ready so so long ago. I don't think I knew that until no. I just said it, wow. actually. Oh. That's really profound. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. And how is that, do you think, coloring maybe how you show up sometimes to have all of that guilt and, you know, kind of self-blame? Yeah, it probably makes me more oversensitive to a lot of things mm-hmm. and maybe more reactive and yeah because I'm probably carrying a bigger burden mm-hmm. I'm becoming a bit more explosive with stuff I think that's it that's right of course right and you didn't know that about her no. that, that was 
kind I of know. context no, no. that now gives you context for maybe some of those moments where you've noticed her be a little bit more emotionally yes. reactive. Makes sense, right? Yeah. You're feeling guilt and blame. Those are really, or self-blame. Those are really big, powerful kind of emotions that can elicit like a kind of shame as well. Like there's something wrong with me or mm-hmm. like sometimes insecurity in the relationship. Like I'm holding you back and, you know, um, it's just, yeah, it's a pretty heavy thing. So yeah, to identify it for yourself right now, what's that like? Oh, I'm just, I'm now, I've gone quiet because I'm now thinking about, <laughs> it explains quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's laid on top of the physical facts that, mm-hmm. you know, my body is part of the reason why this has not been working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there probably has been a lot of um, self-blame Mm-hmm. for a long time that I wasn't recognizing yeah. and that I was carrying and not dealing with and processing. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. 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 I think that's shitty that mm-hmm. uh, you have that, of course, if you feel that way, mm. I, but, but it sounds cheesy now, but that's of course not what I want you to feel. No, I know. And, and it's yeah, to- completely, I think of course not needed, but that's your feeling. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's good, yeah, good that you have mentioned it, I think. Mm-hmm. Roger, mm-hmm. I noticed you trying to do that kind of thing where like, you're <laughs> to, like you, you course corrected a little bit initially, like, oh, you don't need to feel that. Like uh, you didn't say it like that dismissively, but I could see the like wanting to take away the pain from her. It's almost like you love her so much that the idea that she could be carrying this, you like want it to go away. So, yeah, of like, course. Of course, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah seriously. <laughs> Of course. And then, yeah, I think that's maybe sometimes when it may feel like, oh, no, but don't look at it, right? It's not that you don't want to be there with her. It's that you want to take away the pain. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, completely. I, of course, know for for my feeling that that's obviously that I completely not feel feel that way, you know, that that it's not your fault, that there's completely nothing to blame there. It's just, yeah. uh, in that particular sense, a bit unlucky, you know, uh, but we can do something about it. I'm just wondering, how did it feel for you in that moment to hear her say, like, I feel a lot of guilt and blame? Yeah, shit. Yeah. Yeah, shitty. Yeah, yeah because I, I, I don't want her, of course, to feel that way. It's the last yeah. thing I want. Um, yeah. And I hope that I can uh, assist a bit to take that thought away. But. Is there something he can do to help you with that? Oh, good question. Uh, bring a coffee in the morning. <laughs> uh, You're going to solutions, see? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. But it helped that you now said it. I think so. I do feel like it's just something that I need to realize. That's it. That's it. I don't think there's anything that can do about that. Well, I think he did it. I think creating the space for this to be able to come forward, as you said, and to be able to recognize this. I think Mm. that's the greatest gift, right? You don't have to fix it or solve it, but just being able to illuminate it is, is that it. That's it. I think, Angelica, that that was all the questions that I had for you. Um, I don't know about you, Vat. Anything else you want to know? Um, no. I think, well, I think we can fill, fill it up for another couple hours. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. questions, but, uh, <laughs> we could come in for a few. No, I, I literally already learned in the short period that I was here uh, yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. I must say. <laughs> no, good. Yeah, seriously. 
same yeah yeah me too wonderful good well yeah so i would just say um continue to speak the way that you two do empathically and emotionally uh, going to the vulnerability right as always you can never go wrong with that like really understanding what is this really about for me and being able to speak from that even if not in the moment later on when you debrief I think being able to regulate your nervous systems so that you can feel secure attachment with one another is important. Um, So that may mean like meditation, going on walks, doing things that help your body feel safe Um, and just bring in more lightness and fun and spontaneity to your relationship. It seems like you two are doing kind of all the things that I would recommend. So that's great. That's good. Good to hear we're (laughs) on on a good path. You're on a good path. So I think the powerful thing to do is use this as an opportunity to deepen your connection now that you're here and use it as a way to be better even moving forward so that you come out of this with this beautiful, like, you know, new, new relationship um, dynamic. I love that. Thank you so much, Angelica. I really appreciate you taking this time. Of course. It was really good meeting both of you. I'm so glad we had to have this conversation today. So, yeah, yeah. us too. Everything. I'll be thinking of you too. As Thank you. Go forward on the journey. All right. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank Angelica. you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.